You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've joined us. We are in the dining room of the Grand Hotel on Mackinac Island for the Mackinac Policy Conference, talking to the political and business leaders who are gathered here to take a fresh look at the challenges we face as a state. Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel made some news this week at the policy conference saying that she will act to shut down the Line 5 pipeline under the Straits of Mackinac by the end of June. That's if Governor Gretchen Whitmer doesn't reach an agreement about what to do with the pipeline before then. Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel joins us now to talk about Line 5 and other issues that confront her office. Welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Yeah. So uh, talk about this vow to take action on Line 5 uh, by June. It seems like uh, we're in this sort of period where uh, each each iteration of, of decision-making about this kind of ratchets it all higher. Uh, this is a pretty bold stance that you're taking here. I don't know that it is. Um, I think it's the right stance. Uh, and quite honestly, it's one of the biggest reasons that I decided to run for attorney general in the first place. I remember that. It was very impactful in my decision to run. Um, I could not believe uh, how dire the situation was in terms of the condition of the pipeline, which we know is 65 years old. It was never intended to run as long as it has. Uh, and the fact that here you have a Canadian oil company that is using it to route 95% of all the fuel that goes through it back into Canada to conserve Canadian residents, doesn't serve us here in Michigan almost at all, um, and that we're bearing all the risk for that. And the thought that we would be facing what could very potentially be the biggest oil spill in American history. It, it would be. There, I don't think there's any question that if that line were to leak uh, in any significant way, it would be one of the biggest environmental disasters ever, and it would you know, because the waters here move so fast through the straits, it would get everywhere really quickly. Yeah, I, it would be devastating to our state. It would be devastating on every level. Hundreds of thousands of people would lose access to clean drinking water, uh, tens of thousands of jobs in tourism, millions and millions of dollars. I think that our economy would never recover in my lifetime uh, from such a spill. And I feel at all times that we're virtually on the brink of that occurring. So, you know, I had wanted to act much sooner than this. Um, but of course, during lame duck, as you know, the uh, you know Republican legislature and the governor rushed through uh, legislation involving the Mackinac Corridor Authority. Uh, and they did that in an effort to tie my hands on this and to tie the hands of our governor, our incoming governor at mm -hmm. that time, Gretchen mm -hmm. Whitmer. Uh, now, fortunately, they did a very poor job of drafting that legislation. And um, I think it was flagrantly unconstitutional, unconstitutional, and I drafted an opinion uh, conveying that sentiment. I believe that that opinion will be upheld in any court of law in the event that it's challenged. But um, at this point, I think it's time to move forward. The governor wanted an opportunity to negotiate with Enbridge to see if they could come to a resolution where they'd be shutting down Line 5 on their own accord and to do it sooner than uh, any form of protracted litigation, which I would have to file. But I haven't seen uh, any evidence that they're willing to do that. I haven't heard that these negotiations have been fruitful. And I'm not willing to wait forever to see if maybe they agree to do that or not. I mean, these are our Great Lakes. Mm -hmm. They don't belong to this private company. They don't have the right to dictate to us what happens with our natural resources. And it is incumbent upon me, as Attorney General, to protect and defend the Michigan Constitution, which calls for the protection of the Great Lakes, and I intend to do that. So, so talk about the legal authority 
that you believe rests in in your office to to act unilaterally this way uh, to say I am shutting this pipe down. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure we've had another elected official who believed they had that much authority over this. Oh, I think that um, Attorney General Schutte understood that he had the authority. I just think but he didn't, didn't want, want to do exercise it. it. Yeah, I mean, I am the lawyer for the state of Michigan, uh, and I have the right to uh, enforce contracts with the state, which the easement is. Um, and there are a variety of other uh, tools available and legal avenues that I could pursue this action. Uh, since the first day I took office, I've been discussing that with my staff, and I feel very comfortable with that. Um, I, I, again, you know, I was hopeful that these negotiations with the governor would come to some sort of fruition where they'd be able to make a decision that we were going to see a shutdown on their own accord. But barring that, uh, I am going to, I, I intend to keep my campaign promise, mm. and I promise to do everything and anything I could to ensure the safety of the Great Lakes. So, so what if the governor reaches an agreement with Enbridge before the end of June that doesn't shut the line down, but uh, pursues maybe this tunnel solution that, uh, that, that's been on the table that was part of this lame duck uh, activity and says, you know, we'll revisit the question of shutting it down later. Let's try this tunnel approach and, and see if that works. Would that, would that be enough to satisfy you? Every estimate that I have seen is that in order to actually get this tunnel up and running, would take between seven and ten years. Yes, not an instant solution. Absolutely. And am I willing to wait seven to ten years? No, I'm not. So, so in your mind, it's either they agree to shut it down or you will shut it down. I will try to shut it You'll down. I, shut I can't down. guarantee what's going to happen in the courts. <laughs> yeah. um, as I've always said throughout the course of my career, you can't win a case you don't file. And I'm going to make every effort. I'm going to use every tool at my disposal legally in order to try to ensure that we don't have the biggest oil spill in American history and we don't have that oil on our hands here in Michigan and uh, we don't contaminate uh, the Great Lakes. Absolutely, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Uh, you also said uh, during the conference that your office is, quote, at an impasse with Michigan State University's former interim president, John Angler, when it comes to interviewing him about the Larry Nassler uh, sexual abuse scandal. Uh, talk about why you want to talk with, uh, with, with Governor Angler and what this impasse uh, represents. Well, you know, firstly, part of his contract when he decided to take over as interim president uh, actually called for him to um, comply with any and all investigations into this matter. So he's breached that contract. Uh, all the other individuals that were affiliated with Michigan State University complied, and they were interviewed by our office, including everybody on the board of trustees. Mm -hmm. uh, but Engler refused to sit down with us here in the state of Michigan. His uh, attorney indicated uh, that he was not going to be in Michigan and couldn't be interviewed in here. Couldn't even be interviewed in uh, the state of Virginia, where he lives, only in Washington, D.C. Well, it became very clear to us that this was a form of forum shopping, because Washington, D.C. is not a state. They don't have the same rules as a lot of other states. Um, and if Engler wanted to give an interview to our investigators and make flagrant misrepresentations, he could not be held accountable for doing if so. If he did it in Washington, D.C. That's right. That's interesting. So he wanted us to fly out our uh, attorneys and investigators there and would only speak to us there, even though we had seen him at basketball game after basketball game <laughs> in East Lansing. Yeah. Uh, and frankly, in other states. Uh, we saw him in Chicago. I think we saw him in Iowa. 
uh, but he would not be interviewed here. And my perception of that was that he did not want to be interviewed anywhere where I had prosecutorial authority over him, um, and he didn't want to be any uh, interviewed anywhere where he couldn't lie um, carte blanche mm. if he um, planned to do that. Uh, and I think it's unfortunate because when he took over in that capacity, uh, I think that part of the deal was that he was going to um, cooperate in any investigation. It's important because he played a pivotal role in those negotiations. And frankly, he was also there during the very curious and suspect um, event where right before um, Governor Whitmer was to take office, uh, George Perlis suddenly resigned right. uh, after many, many years as a uh, trustee on the board. Um, and there was a very bizarre set of circumstances where um, a, a pledge that he had made to the university was zeroed out uh, around, my understanding is, the same time that he resigned. Uh, it did look like a quid pro quo to me, mm. um, and it happened under English watch. So you bet I wanted to ask him about that. Uh, catch us up on where you are with uh, the Larry Nasser investigation more, more generally. Uh, is this something that we will be able to sort of come to a close on sometime soon? Yeah, we will. But, I mean, the cases are ongoing. So right now the Strample case yeah. uh, is being tried as we speak sure. right now. Um, and we obviously have other cases, uh, the Kathy Clegas trial is upcoming, uh, Luana K. Simon, her trial is up and coming. Um, but following the conclusion of these trials, then we are going to release a report. It's not uh, wise for us to do so because we can't use the information uh, from those cases uh, that we've gleaned while those criminal matters are while still pending. pending. sure. Right, but we will be releasing a, a report and, um, you know, detailing as much as we could how we think that this could happen, how an institution could permit hundreds and hundreds uh, of girls and young women to be sexually assaulted by one of their employees, um, because we want to make certain that it never happens again. That it doesn't happen again. Uh, uh, you also recently charged five people in connection uh, with your investigation into sexual abuse in the Catholic Church. It's kind of reviving an, an, an older issue uh, that I think people, a lot of people had figured, well, we, we did all of that or took care of all of that and moved on. Uh, in your view, there, there's still work to do. Oh, absolutely. And, um, yeah, it would be nice to think that um, uh, the church was not engaged in any of those uh, activities anymore. But, unfortunately, our investigation tells us otherwise. And, of course, this was an investigation that I didn't start. Uh, it started last fall under um, prior Attorney General Bill Schutte. And uh -huh. there was a uh, the execution of seven different search warrants uh, in dioceses all around the state of Michigan. They confiscated hundreds of thousands of documents. Uh, and I continued the investigation when I took office. And what I have seen um, in this investigation, in reviewing those documents, it's heartbreaking. And I know that there are hundreds and hundreds, even maybe thousands, of victims in our state that have suffered at the hands of clergy abuse. And I think it's incredibly important that we hold those bad actors accountable, we hold sexual predators in this state accountable, and that we do everything we can to ensure that they don't prey upon others. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you recently also re released an AG opinion that says Republicans acted unconstitutionally when they passed a law last year restricting petition drives. Uh, talk about uh, sort of election issues that, uh, that concern you. Well, you know, I think a lot of the things that happened during lame duck were rushed through um, 
for one reason and one reason only, and that's because uh, Democrats were about to take over mm -hmm. many of these big executive offices. And, of course, it had been a long time uh, since we didn't have sort of a monolithic um, type of, uh, of situation in the state where you had Republicans that controlled all three branches yes. of government. Well, we had Democrats that were about to take over as governor, as attorney general, as secretary of state. And um, certainly you weren't going to have the super majorities that you saw anymore in the uh, state legislature. So I think the, um, the lame duck legislature acted very quickly, but in doing so they made a lot of mistakes. And this was not well-crafted legislation. And I think that the, um, the move to restrict the ability of the people to use ballot proposals as a way to change the law um, you know, they failed miserably in their effort to draft this legislation, but it was done in response to proposals one, two, and three, yes. all of whom, uh, all of which I think were by and large opposed by the Republicans. So they wanted to restrict the ability of people to bring these kinds of initiatives. And in doing so, they violated the Constitution. They violated people's rights to say that only a certain number, a certain percentage of people in any particular area, in any particular district, could actually sign this was an effort, uh, I think, to disenfranchise people. To make it a lot harder, right? To make it a lot harder, but also to disenfranchise people in places like where I live in Wayne County. Um, you know, I live in the most populous county in the state of Michigan. And to say uh, in, in my region that, you know, you could get no more than 15% of the signatures you're telling people you're not allowed to participate in this process. In the same way that other people can, right? In the same way that other people can, right? Mm -hmm. And, and um, there were just a number of flaws. Now, I know that there's a challenge right now. There's a legal challenge uh, in regard to that law. I have every expectation that my AG opinion and our assessment of the constitutionality or lack there of that law will be upheld by each and every court that this passes through. My guest is Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. We're talking in the dining room of the Grand Hotel on Mackinac Island during the Mackinac Policy Conference. Um, I, I want to ask you a, more, a, a sort of broader question about uh, separation of powers in, in our state. There are some people who have uh, who've looked at what you're doing in the early, uh, the early months of this first term and, and saying that, that in some ways you're encroaching on the roles that the court is supposed to have. In other words, that uh, it's the court's job to determine uh, the constitutionality of legislation, for instance. It's the court's job to determine um, you know, how far uh, law can be in, in interpreted. And I know that these things are all, uh, they're all, you know, uh, enumerated in our constitution, but but there's also a lot of play in the joints, right? There, there's always a push and pull uh, in those relationships. Talk about how you see the role of the attorney general's office as it concerns legislation. I mean, uh, the legislature would say, I'm quite sure, they represent the people just as you do. Um, it's their role to make legislation. Why is it your role to, to strike it down? Well, I'm not striking it down. Right. I, I am opining on it and yeah. that um, opinion can either be upheld uh, or defeated in the courts. Um, but the fact of the matter is, you know, I, I did a cursory, when I started hearing about it's not your job to um, opine on whether or not a law is unconstitutional. Yeah. Well, you know, the Republicans didn't seem to have a problem when Mike Cox and Bill Schuette did that routinely. It took me about five minutes to find, I think, ten different times that Mike Cox had declared a law unconstitutional. Mm. 
And that seemed perfectly fine with them when he did it. They just don't <laughs> like it when I do it. And the fact of the matter is the way that we've always operated in the state is that, um, you know, various different officials have the opportunity to make a request of the AG uh, as to whether or not a particular law is unconstitutional. If the finding is that it is unconstitutional, then that is binding on state agencies. But, of course, any party can appeal it. And that happens many times. Yeah. That, that's right. And it goes through the courts. And sometimes that opinion is sustained and sometimes it's not. I feel very comfortable with the two AG opinions that I've issued thus far. But this is how it's always been done. But I think the Republicans at this point are so used to having Republicans in that office, and they have for 16 years. They just don't seem to like it when a Democrat does the exact same thing that the Republicans used to do. Um, But, you know... Sometimes you have to succumb to the will of the people, and I was duly elected to this office. And now I have the legislature um, saying to me that sort of as part of the budget process that I would have to come before the legislature to basically ask permission uh, if I want to file a federal lawsuit uh, that's a multi-state lawsuit, which, by the way, we file these lawsuits all the time. They were also filed under the shooting administration. The shooting administration did a lot of that uh, without the legislature say so. Yeah, and and that seemed perfectly fine with them. They just don't like it when I do it, um, and so that is a clear. So you feel like this is this is about politics. This is maybe personal. Uh, it's not about the law. That's right, and it's a clear violation of the separation of powers. Uh, the fact of the matter is the. The legislature doesn't have that authority over my office. And I think it's very short-sighted because the fact of the matter is, you know, I was elected to a four-year term. Um, Maybe I'll have four years, maybe I'll have eight years, but I certainly won't have any more than that. We know that, right? So uh, eventually there will be a Republican in this office again, and then they're not going to want to curtail what their authority is. Mm. And so to say we're going to change the entire scope of the office, the way this office has operated for decades and decades and decades, because we don't care for you and your opinions personally, um, I I think it does a real disservice and it helps to destroy our basic institutions in this state. Mm. Okay, Dana Nessel, Attorney General of the State of Michigan. It was really great to catch up with you here on Mackinac Island. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll talk with you again soon. Uh, up next, we're going to talk with Kresge Foundation CEO Rip Rapson about education and new investments the foundation is making in early childhood education. Stay with us on Detroit Today.